first of all, Miller, thank you so much for joining today. I can see you on the cruise right now. You're just taking a really nice road trip, but you know, it's all business. It's all good with your coffee. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> it's not a road trip. I'll be sitting in Chicago downtown traffic for an hour. Not quite a road trip, but I'm good. Just left the gym, got my protein shake. I'm ready to go. That's good. That's good. I'm happy to hear that. Workout is actually a very good thing in the morning. And like the protein shake you have now is really giving you that boost. And now you feel like you're ready to do more. Yeah, it's funny. I was off my game for a really, really long time. Um, I used to be a massive gym rat. Kids, a business, a husband, everything. And that kind of, you know, did not take the priority and so I think that not only have I noticed that it's like made me just literally physically not as capable because I'm hyper flexible and hyper mobile and all of a sudden I'm like, ow, this hurts, ow, this hurts. <laughs> and so, you know, and plus, you know, I'm getting close to that scary number 40 in over a year. So I figured I need to get my butt into the best shape of my life so that I can, you know, run into my 40s and not with injuries so right. i'm back in the gym five times a week with my girlfriend and uh heavy lifting is the way to go so yeah it's definitely good and i agree the mornings for me i'm not a morning person i'm a night owl but i've been forcing myself to get up with the kids obviously take them to school and then go to the gym right away i think it i think you're right on the money with that too like it really does set you up for the day right like it sets up your energy, it sets up, obviously, your meal, and I don't like eating breakfast, so like this is the best way for me to actually get food going and actually put nutrients into my body instead of coffee all day, which is my usual MO. <laughs> <laughs> right, because I feel like once you have a protein shake and you're feeling pumped, you're feeling energized, it makes you feel more relax at the same time you feel more energized to do more throughout the day so by the evening you're not burnt out or you, oh i need another cup of coffee you know that's exactly right you're 100 right yeah for sure it's different it's really different and i love how you have been able to take your brand into a completely different sphere with what you're doing with girl in the kitchen so i know people are wondering where is this podcast going to <laughs> you guys are yeah, where the hell <laughs> you tell me. <laughs> uh, um, well, do you want me to tell everybody about my brand and kind of what I do and all that fun stuff? I think they would love to know more about how you have built out your Chef Mia, you know, brand and the girl in the kitchen. So let's let's talk about that. I'm sure they'll be really hungry after this episode. <laughs> all right. So I'll try not to make you guys too hungry. Um, so the Girl in the Kitchen started, oh God, 2012. And Girl in the Kitchen at the time was a blog. It was a, it was a second rendition of a blog I used to have. I used to have a blog called Kiss, Keep It Simple Stupid. And I started that blog back in 07 because I just wanted to cook. Um, I am a culinary graduate. I am a professional chef. I also have a hospitality restaurant management degree. I had a concentration event management and event planning. So I literally wanted to be JLo from the wedding planner. 
this was who I wanted to be when I was getting my degree, okay? All jokes aside. And one of my really great chefs as I was getting my degree for culinary arts, I had no intention of going and getting my bachelor's, zero. I hate school, I was ready to make money, and I was so over the loans, okay? So I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm gonna figure this out. And my chef said, you know what? You're really, really strong in the kitchen, but you're really good with people. And I think you need to go get your bachelor so that you open up your your road, right? And I was literally two weeks away from graduation. I'm like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, fine. Sign up for bachelor's, got my bachelor's um, in restaurant hospitality management, and I really focused on events. I really wanted to be an event planner. Okay. Um, my See, my junior internship was at a huge catering company cooking, and my senior internship was um, at a country club where I planned events, bat mitzvahs, weddings, everything, you name it. And I really loved it, and I found that was kind of like my knack because I got to work with people, I got to plan my names, but I also got to do the organization of the event, and there was a lot of creativity involved because... We're not talking about like $10,000, $20,000 weddings, right? We're talking about like half a million dollar weddings. We're talking about multi-million dollar pharmaceutical events because I used to work for the biggest hotels in the country. And they, I did parties for Takeda, Baxter, Discover, Ferrari, uh, Lamborghini. Um, oh my God, you name it. I did parties for some of the biggest pharma. That's what our company did. And so I would plan these massive, elaborate events, but it really like kind of pulled at my heartstrings because I wasn't doing food and food was always number one to me. And so fast forward to 2007, that's how I started Keep It Simple Stupid, where I just told tales of the kitchen um, and I taught people how to cook the way I knew how to cook professionally, but also the way my mother and my grandmother taught me how to cook. Uh, which is by watching them and never telling me anything except for the fact that, well, you just taste it and you're fine. <laughs> um, I'm Eastern European, so I should probably say that as well. I'm Eastern European. I was born in Moldova. I emigrated here when I was seven with my family. And so it was a very different mentality. So I did not grow up with a silver spoon. You know, I did not grow up even upper middle class. We were very middle class, lower middle class. And my mom and my dream was for me to always to go to culinary school. I always tell that uh, little kids, you know, 10, 11 years old are coming home watching cartoons. Well, nowadays they're watching YouTube and TikTok. But when I was 10 or 11, we're watching after school cartoons. Well, I would come into the house and watch the great chefs of America with my mom mm. and with my grandma. And, uh, you know, my mom really wanted me to go to culinary school, and I did. And unfortunately, the push that finally made that happen, it was when she passed. She had passed, and she told my dad, Mila, to go to culinary school. So I dropped my liberal arts uh, school, and I applied at my, my culinary school. And the rest, you know, is history. So, flash forward 2007, I started this Keep It Simple Stupid blog because I really wanted to share recipes and I really wanted to share uh, what stories about my childhood and my mom and kind of how important the story of food is to creating that food. And I think people, not everything, right? Like, I mean, not every dinner I create has a story, but a lot do. And I think that's the really beautiful thing that's missing today. And I try and combine my ability of storytelling with 
my culinary arts strengths and try and teach people, hey, it could be fun, it could it could be healthy, and most importantly, it's always delicious. Um, and so I kind of did that for a long time. And then 2012, I had my daughter, and I really, really wanted to do uh, a bigger, fatter blog. And so I started the blog Girl and the Kitchen. It came to me one night, the name of, there was literally no reason for the name. I woke up one morning and I said, oh, okay. The name of my blog is Girl in the Kitchen. And I started writing. I knew nothing about blogging. I knew nothing. The only things I knew was what my website designer at the time would teach me because she was working with food bloggers for a really long time. And she would tell me things. Now, if you remember, 2007 was the emergence of the bloggers, right? Like, blogging was still something that people thought you do just as a digital journal, almost, right? Right. But it wasn't. At that point, the big bloggers were already starting to come out in 2007 when I first started my blog. And I kicked myself because I started blogging at the same time the bloggers who are now millionaires were blogging. And I'm like, God damn it, if only I would have just stuck with it, I would have been in a much different space right now. But it is what it is, things all happen for a reason. And so I continued and I was working in a corporate world at the time. I was not working in the culinary world. I was working in the corporate world. I was doing lots of different things. And like somewhere, you know, on the weekend, sometimes people would ask me if I could cater for them and I would do catering. I did lots of cooking classes for the public. I had a pretty big following in the Russian community already. And they would all ask me, can you teach us how to do this? Can you teach us how to do this? And so I would literally create my own cooking classes for the public. Um, and it was the most fun thing I did. I had a great time. I loved it every single minute. Uh, and uh, fast forward 2017, I was working at a job I really hated. And uh, I was pregnant I with my second. And I told my husband how devastated I was the first time around with my pregnancy and having to take a maternity leave and then going back to school for work three months later, you know, with a tiny little newborn baby, not even like ready to give up her mom yet. And I told my husband, screw it. Uh, I don't want to work for anybody ever again. And my husband said, all right, then you're going to give this whole blogging thing 300% and you're going to make it. And my goal was to just cover the mortgage. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to be able to have my blog fund my mortgage. What I didn't know mm. was that I would just, I put so much effort into the blogging. Um, I went really technical and I went really, really strong into SEO as we know, search engine optimization, which is any blog. It doesn't matter how gorgeous your blog is. It doesn't matter how techy your blog is. If you do not have SEO, which is search engine optimization, Google can't find you and you're SOL, right? So the most important thing is SEO and also content, 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 content is king. And I had lots of it. And I just kept writing, and then one day in May 2017, somebody had recommended me to their friend. And they said, listen, they want you to be their private chef. And I'm like, private chef? I'm like, I don't want to be anybody's private chef. Ew. <laughs> and my husband goes to me, he's like, Mila, you watch the housewives of every county, okay? They have, all of them have private chefs. That's going to be you. And I'm like, 
I don't know. You know, I was also five months pregnant and like, I didn't know if I wanted to. And he said to me, you know what? You're at home recipe testing every day for the blog. Might as well go do it and get paid for it at your clients' houses. And so I did. And uh, before I knew it, I think May 1st, I started with one client. And by Memorial Day, which was roughly four weeks later, I had seven. And I was five months pregnant. So my private chefing business was something that I was not intending to grow at all. It was a fluke. I wanted to be the world's biggest, baddest blogger who would eventually end up on TV. My goal was always TV. My goal is still TV. And everything that happened along the way, I kind of learned to say, yes, just say yes. Just say yes to any opportunity. That's what I did. And so I knew that eventually I was gonna have this baby. So I had to hire, so I started hiring. I uh, did some really cool events. Like I did, a, there's a Chicago magazine, a very famous magazine called CS. And I did a 35 five course related dinner in a $2.8 million condo downtown for the 35 uh, most philanthropic um, people in Chicago. And so I think that kind of like really boosted me and people started seeing me and just the clientele took off. And I mean, knock on wood, um, when the pandemic hit, we were, we were thriving. Sorry, my phone just rang. My apologies. No problem. We were thriving. Um, and I, I had to go on a hiring frenzy. The only difference was we had to switch our we just switch our business model. So our, my business model was always that we go into people's houses and we cook there. It's a very custom uh, business. All my menus are custom crafted for our clients. All my chefs create individual menus for every single person. And that is extremely important to me. And it was really important for me not to lose that personal touch with our clients when we went to a commercial kitchen. I didn't have a choice, right? COVID shut everything down. And I was just really blessed that we were, um, what did they call us? Essentials, right? I was just really, really blessed that I was an essential and we could continue working. Um, My husband's company really suffered. Their numbers went down by 75%, which is no joke, you know? Uh, And I had five people working for me, including a plus delivery driver. So I had people that's employed. So we worked like crazy through COVID. Even last summer, people were they were paying for parties because they just all wanted like Cupid contacts. So we were still doing catering. Um, Christmas obviously was a little bit different this year for holiday parties, but um, you know, along the way, and I've done tons and tons and tons of local TV. I did Food Network last year. Uh, I, I just filmed something else I'm not allowed to talk about, uh, but along this way I kind of redefined my brand and there was no intention of that I think that's the most important thing um I always had a goal of being bigger of being better of of making people's lives richer and better and healthier and more delicious and I did that all only because I followed this rule that I created for myself up, which was just say yes. Just say yes. Like there's nothing that is going to um, differentiate that, you know, except now that my COO says, you have to say no. <laughs> like you have to say no. You're too busy to say yes all the time. I'm like, but I don't want 
to. I want to help you. Like, no. <laughs> now? You can say no. <laughs> so he's working on me to say no so that I can say yes to the fun stuff. So it's kind of like now we're reeling me in. And I'm not sure if you could tell. I'm difficult to reel in, right? I kind of <laughs> love to do what I want to do. And uh, it is what it is. It's my story. It's my life. It's my business. I want to do what I want to do. But at the same time, I brought on a COO on board to help me build my empire. Um, and people think they're like, I have a lot of, we all have a lot of haters. Anybody who's successful has a hater, right? And people hate it when I use the term empire. And I'm like, why? I'm like, I'm going to have a multifaceted, I already have a multifaceted business. I have a media, I have, I have a recipe innovation and development. I have private chefing. I have catering, boutique catering. I have a blog and I work with brands as a brand ambassador on actual recipes. You know, I'm not just, um, what is the word I'm looking for? I'm not an influencer. I hate that word. <laughs> I'm not an influencer. I'm so much more. So, yeah. um, there's, when you ask me what my brand is, it's kind of hard to define it unless I give you my elevator pitch, but that's a, such a small, 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 little, tiny inkling of what we do, right? And so that's why, I'm sorry it took a little longer than you had wanted, but if you guys really want to know about brands and really want to talk about brands, it's just so much more than just an elevator page. And I think like, I think we talked before you started recording that there's like all these big guys like, give me your elevator page, like Grant Cardone, give me your elevator page. Okay, that's great. But anybody who really wants to work with you and really wants to get to know you, well, let's be frank, they don't give a damn about your elevator pitch. They want to know you. They want to know your company. They want to know everything about you, right? So it's kind of, in my opinion, an elevator pitch is great when you're introduced, when you're being introduced to people or whatever. But if we're talking about brands and we're talking about brand evolution, we're talking about working with brands, there's a whole different ballgame to play to talk about. That's yeah. kind of why... Uh, I take, you know, the storytelling into my, into what I do rather than get, keeping it short and sweet. I'm yeah. a storyteller and I think that plays to my strength. I love it because great stories tell more than facts could tell themselves because those stories now impact you better and it actually makes you think while you're speaking because they're imagining and creating that imagery and that visual while they're listening. So one thing that that really strikes out for me is and correct me if i'm wrong but i think there's this time i i got to see i think it was on tiktok or somewhere on the internet when i saw yeah i think it was tiktok when shaquille o'neal said that he changed his way of investing when he learned from i think it was Rand buffett or jeff bezos about how they don't make investments if it doesn't help people and that's how he changed his mind and that was like it sounds like okay yeah but when you start thinking about it deeply it's your brand that really speaks out for you. Oh, you're on mute. I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, that was so weird. I never... Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I totally agree with you 100%. I think it's... Uh, redefining a brand is very specific. And I mean, I'm in this, what, like I started, so I started Girl in the Kitchen nine years ago. I started my 
catering and private chefing business uh, four, and a half, four years ago. And just now are we really redesigning my logo, my brand, my, you know, the visual concept of it. Because I've had so many people who came to work with me, like this is my second PR company I'm working with and I love them, they're fantastic. They get me, they work for me, they know exactly what I need. My first PR company, it was extremely difficult to work with them in the sense that I almost felt like they couldn't define me. And that was really hard. And I get it, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere, I'm everything, I'm a lot, I'm lots of people. And so it's hard to define somebody who's got so much, you know, in, in Yiddish we say chutzpah, like so much like charisma, right? Yeah. I get it. And so they tried to like pigeonhole me into a few things and it didn't work. Actually, I'm just kidding, this is the third company I've worked with. So my first one tried to pigeonhole me into, at the time I was a vegan, and they tried to pigeonhole me into a vegan uh, law. And every time I would pull up my blog to write, I would get anxiety. And I couldn't figure out why. And then I realized it's because it was not authentic to me. Because while I was vegan, I was cooking meat dishes for my family. And while I enjoyed being vegan, there was something in me that said, I don't think I could be a vegan for the rest of my life. Like, mm -hmm. I just didn't think I could, you know? And I was right, because I went straight from veganism to carnivore. Really why not Right. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, there was certainly pescatarian and vegetarianism in the middle, but yeah. when I got pregnant with my son, he wanted nothing to do with fish or vegetables, so all of that went out the window, so all I could eat was literally meat. All he wanted was meat. Oh. But um, I, I learned brand definition is a really important thing, but that does not mean you have to be pigeonholed or you have to be boxed in. I think that's really, really important, and I don't think a lot of people talk about that, right? I think defining your brand still has to be authentic to you and real to you and has to speak to you so that you could speak out to others about it, right? Like, if I had kept with my vegan brand, for instance, let's just say that was what I redefined Girl in the Kitchen, I would have been struggling every single day like I did for days or for months when I was pulling up, you know, a, a post to write about. So for me, having a blog and being authentic to yourself and making sure that whether it's a blog, whether it's a, you know, um, an ad agency, whether it's a course, whether it's courses, whatever the case may be, the authenticity has to come true. It has to come through because people will see through that shit. No matter how good of a performer you think you are this is as much as I hate to say this this is the time where everybody is starting to look behind everybody you know meaning like you have these uh, tiktokers and influencers who are saying that they got their massive gains massive booty gains by hip thrusters and you know squatting and all that and guess what they find out that they've, get, they've got plastic surgery right mm. that's not authentic in fact, it would have been way cooler if they said, guys, I worked my butt off in the gym. I could not get the results I wanted. I could afford to get myself a BBL. Right. Voila. 
that I think is so much better. Of course. Like, because then you're not portraying this image yeah. that is not real, right? Like, I'm honest every single day up here. Like, honestly. And I was keto and low carb for years. I still basically live that lifestyle. I'm just not that extreme. But I would get on Instagram and be like, guys, this keto thing is killing me. I've been keto for three months. And all of a sudden, I stopped losing. I'm at a plateau. I can't lose. I can't get. I can't get shit. And that authenticity, that honesty, this is why I found that people are more attracted to you. And people are more attracted to your brand. And I think the big brands, I'm talking about conglomerates, right? So the big brands that are out there and are getting a lot of crap right now, I think the reason is, is because they lack that authenticity and they lack that um, transparency. And I think, I hope, this is where we're moving. I hope we're moving there. I hope we're moving to the point where all brands will now be able to be more transparent, more, you know, realistic. But at least, at least that's, that's my hope and it, that's what I'm doing. No. You know, there's... <laughs> It is true. Like I'm thinking about it, it's it's the actual truth because if you think about it, back then, adverts, commercials used to be so like mechanic, like like mechanical in a way that like when you start thinking about the mechanics that they use to now like give you those edges, the you know the the, the angles, the lighting, you know, it's all this thirty second glamour, but you don't really see the brand behind it. But now you can literally like ask Alexa. <laughs> And you can get the best result because there's someone that really actually cares about your brand somewhere. So it's different right now. And I think it's going to change for the better. I hope so. I mean, from your mouth to God's ears, honest to God, I really do. But at the same time, I think the big thing that people need to realize is that an influencer is not necessarily a brand. Yeah. And I think that's like a really, really important concept to understand right because especially if you want to make a difference like I personally have unfollowed so many influencers I used to follow and the reason I'm not hating everybody has the right to make a job everybody's right but can we do it in an authentic way like I personally know a girl who was selling this, I don't even remember what it was, it was like some candle company, no, it was like some uh, skincare company. And I knew who she was going to to get her face, her Botox. Like, no way. And she was like, this is no Botox, this is all skincare. And I'm like, I know your esthetician. You and I go there together. What are you talking about? And that kind of shit drives me crazy. Because, listen, I am Botox from here to Mississippi. And I will forever be embalmed in Botox. And I will always be open and honest. Because the way we look right now, nobody looks like that naturally. (laughs) (laughs) You just don't. Right. (laughs) And I think, like, again, that's just one little tidbit, you know. And it's just like, if, if I was doing a cooking demo... Um, or like a cooking story and I wasn't showing people the one big secret or the one main ingredient and they were like what what the hell like you can't make this nobody at home can make this you know 
Whereas I do the opposite. Everybody can do what I do. I'm not a magician. Everybody can do what I do. Everybody. Nobody wants to. That's the difference. (laughs) That's true. That's the truth. Because I feel like when you start focusing on attraction marketing and helping people get from point A to B without you being slousy or without you being sleazy or just being like too forward or too like get this now if you don't get it now it's gonna go and you're like come on like we're not living in the 1990s you know where like you don't know what's gonna happen next but I feel like now with information you can be honest with your brand and if somebody loved your cooking, they're going to talk about it and someone else wants to eat it. Like, it's that simple. If I like the food, I'm going to yep. eat it. So I feel like people make it too technical and too like, oh, you got to eat like one spoon or you got to do two teaspoons. It's it's crazy. <laughs> well, you know, it also goes back to I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this whole thing that has been happening for about two to three years. And that is the course creators, right? And I'm a course creator. I created uh, what I, I mean, it took six months to create my course because I had a professional videography team at my house every week for six months. And we created a super in-depth course on cooking. And the whole thing was learn how to cook delicious, a variety of delicious and healthy meals without spending hours in the kitchen. And so all I did was I took what I knew in culinary school, I kind of simplified it and put it out there in a very, very um, organized method. And it's called the four-step cooking method. And when I started creating this, I started following a bunch of other people who created courses because there's a very big... um, What's the word? Like there's a methodical way to sell a course in order for it to work. I'm not even talking about, you know, jumping into um, ads. I'm not talking about Facebook ads. There is a very particular way to make sure that you can sell a course in a cycle. It's a sales psychology, right? But then I started seeing what people were selling course wise. I was like, you're all just taking the same information, regurgitating it, and putting it in a different way, like method. You know, like, it's literally the same thing. It is A plus B plus C, like no matter what the method was. And so I saw that there were a lot of fakes, a lot. And I think it goes back to, I heard somebody say this on TikTok yesterday, and it was, you know, having those girls tell you that they got their glutes from squats rather than the BBL is the equivalent of the guy that teaches you financial investing while he's renting his Lambo, renting his house, renting his beach house and telling you he owns it. And the only reason he can afford it is because you're paying him to teach you nothing. Nothing. That's crazy. (laughs) I've never heard that analogy that way. And that is perfect sense because it just makes total sense like why would you be spending time to do something that you could be spending and working hard for that when you earn it you actually value what you got because you actually deserve to get that it's crazy how people just want to fast track success also you know i think uh when i was i 
when I started Girl in the Kitchen that same year in 2012, I was in the car a lot because, shocker, believe it or not, I was a pharmaceutical rep. And uh, I was in the car a lot and I would listen to Gary Vee all the time. And Gary Vee, like me, is also from the former USSR. And I would listen to him and I listened to his podcasts, I listened to his shows, I listened to his books. And I remember it was either from a book or from one of the podcasts. And he says, I love that you guys listen to me. I love that you're hearing this. But if you're sitting here listening to me and not doing anything about it, what the fuck are you doing? And that's literally what he would say is like, get up and go do something about it. I was like, he's so right. Like I have enough motivation. Everything else I'll figure it out. And that's when I started private chef. Mm. Literally, that was like the push. That was when I started, I'm sorry, that's when I started like seriously blogging in 2017. That was like the push I really, really needed. And it, that for me is the biggest thing. And now I just listened to him again on um, one of my favorite podcasts for your listeners. If you guys are entrepreneurs and you're not listening to this, it's a shame. It's called How I Built This. And it has, if you haven't heard it, it is my favorite podcast out there, period, the end. And it is everyone from Gary Vee to the CEO of Zillow to the CEO of uh, Stacey's Chips to Jamie Simonoff, the CEO of Brain. Everybody on how they told their, on how they got their start and how they became the massive successes. And majority of them have since sold, right? Majority of them have sold, have sold their companies, right? But it's a really, really interesting podcast, and Gary Vee was just on it. And he was just saying the most interesting things. Um, and the biggest thing he was saying is people think that he's inauthentic, right? He's like, I'm not inauthentic. And they think he has perpetuated this hustle culture. And he said, he's like, I haven't perpetuated a hustle culture. I love what I do every single day. And because I love what I do, I have been able to teach that to so many other people. And it's, I'm not teaching sorry. them. I couldn't hear what you said. Oh, I'm sorry. Siri decided to speak up. That's, a, that's a feature of AI. <laughs> I mean, it's okay. <laughs> right? <laughs> Shut up, Siri. That's crazy. Anyhow, <laughs> um, he, he just said the most interesting things I really believe really loved what he said but the biggest thing was that he's like it's up to you to make the decision of whether you want to be super happy doing whatever you love uh for 89k a year or if you want to be the director of some company for 150k a year but miserable and like really not wanting to come into work every day and just not feeling it right and for me that was like that's so true because like I said, I started my food blog to pay the mortgage. Like, that's all I thought that I could do. I did not think that I could make myself so successful that I was spearheading a company that had, you know, 12 employees and that had over 50 clients and that had um, over, you know, every single weekend booked with multiple events. I didn't think I would do that. And I think that's the biggest thing, that your love of whatever it is you want to do can transcend into something else that you never thought possible. But 
I'm a very, very big believer that you have to work your ass off. Like, it's not all luck at all. In fact, majority of it is not luck. A lot of the things that I've done, maybe one or two percent is contributed to luck. Everything else is working my ass off, constantly talking to people, constantly answering leads, constantly looking for people, constantly doing business development. It's not, it is a hustle, but I think there's, I'm also a mom of two, a wife, and when I'm not working on the weekends, guess what we're doing on the weekends? We're out and about with the kids. My husband and I just spent an entire weekend in downtown Chicago on a staycation, and on Sunday morning, I had to work. I had an early morning corporate event, and then by 11.30, I was at brunch with my family. So... Anybody who's telling you, you can build a brand, you know, all those courses, that's their whole thing. Like, you can build a brand without working hard. Uh, I think there's a very famous book that came out, The 4-Hour Workweek, right? Mm. I do believe that's possible, by the way. And I also believe that if you set yourself up for success, you will be able to delegate and you will have a lot of freedom. I mean, look, I, I took my kids to school this morning. I went to the gym. I'm now... Um, running an errand for a few of my chefs. Steve and I are having a conversation. I'm then going to the doctor to fix myself. Blah, 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 blah. I have built my life in a way that I do a freedom. However, there's one thing everybody should know. In an industry, in a service industry, if you don't make yourself accessible, in my opinion, if you don't make yourself accessible, you will lose the business. I mean, I'm sorry, I hate to say it, it is um, a race. Sometimes it is, you know, like a lot of my business comes from mom groups where I'm recommended all the time. Guess what, I'm one of the first people that answers all the time. When I'm recommended, oh my God, thank you so much for the recommendation. Uh, Susie Jones, feel free to reach out to me via DM. I will secure 90 to 95% of my business that way. Mm. I kid you not. And it's because I'm hungry. Like literally as well, I am also very hungry because <laughs> I'm working with food all the time. Yeah. But I'm hungry. And it's like I'm excited about my next client. Yeah. Because not only, I'm not excited only because like from a financial standpoint, it's fantastic, but it's also like, how can I change their life? Because what right. we do, it's not like, we're not making you guys like Salisbury steak and boxed mashed potatoes, right? We're doing beautiful, healthy meals that are custom crafted for our client. So I have a very unique niche and my niche is affluent people here in Chicago who are wanting to invest in their health. And as you know, if you guys are looking for a way to create a brand or what we're doing right now the biggest thing that's going to be happening and you could see this trend started like seven eight years ago when all the ceos all of a sudden started talking about what intermittent fasting keto transcendental meditation right we were uh zuckerberg was talking about it bezos was talking about all the big guys the 5 amers right they would all wake up at 5 a.m do their meditation do their journaling go to the gym and their day starts at eight to me that's asinine i don't understand it i'm also not a morning person but if you look at where people are going, what you need to focus on is you look at that, um, not elite, but that like level of clientele. If that's where you want to be, 
you need to see what it is they're going for. And what they're going for is investment in self-care. So I think that's why like keto, um, low carb, uh, intermittent fasting, all these different gyms popping up, CrossFit was big, you know, that is all, people are investing back into themselves. And that is something that you have to think about where, okay, so they're not only bettering themselves physically, but they are bettering themselves mentally because they want, they're doing transcendental meditation, right? They're doing, a lot of them did intermittent fasting, by the way, because they experienced mental clarity. And when you're on that level, when you're the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company, the one thing you need is mental clarity, right? You need that focus, you need that clarity, and you can't have that, you know, 2 p.m. slump. You, you, you can't power through that when you're at that kind of level of um, mental capacity, basically. And that's, I didn't see that initially, to be honest with you. Again, a lot of the things I did was an accident. It wasn't intentional. I intended to do something I really loved. And I really wanted to change people's lives and teach them the way to eat better because I know a ton about nutrition. Um, and along the way, I realized like I would listen to my clients speak because I interview them. And so many of them would say, I had one client, he said, you know, the biggest difference between the rich and the wealthy is that the wealthy understand the concept of time and that you have two very valuable assets and that is time and health. And he said, can we go out to dinner? Sure. We can go out to dinner every night. It's not a financial issue at this point. What it is, is I travel 300 days a year for business. He's the CEO of a massive company. I travel 300 days a year. And when I come home, I want to sit at my own table with my own kid, with my, with my wife, and eat at my dinner table so later we can go retire on the couch and chill, just the three of us. And not have obnoxious waiters and people messing up my food. And he said, he's like, this is an investment because I know that I will be investing in my family for time and we're investing in ourselves for health. So I think that in brand building and figuring out what you need to do to define yourself and define your brand, you have to figure out what people are going after. It's a very, it's a very logical thing, right? It's supply and demand. So what are people wanting? What's the demand? And that's where we go over there. So in my opinion, that's the most important thing. The important thing is defining what the demand is. And sometimes it's what people don't even know what they want. I think that's the most important thing. People didn't know what, you know, people didn't know they wanted keto. People didn't know they wanted intermittent fasting. People didn't know they, you know, they needed 95 different courses. People will always want to better themselves. I think that's like the, the heart of it all. You always want to be a better, stronger, you know, bigger person than you already are. So in my opinion, if you're defining your brand, define what you really love and define how you can change people with that love. That's deep. I think. Nah, that is a fact. (laughs) That was a (laughs) mic drop right there. You know, you know, (laughs) because it just changes how you think. And I think this is something that someone is going to have to replay, rethink and rewire 
so that you can focus on what you need because time is really not something that we should be spending frivolously you know without doubt and also like i think we're in the society right now where and i am no uh i'm not excluded from this at all we all have figured out ways to waste time it's true we are all scrolling all day all night we're scrolling right and so i have been i think i joined clubhouse where you and i met I joined Clubhouse uh, in April when I had COVID. So I got COVID and I was home. And I just, a friend of mine invited me to join. Oh my gosh. Like I had an invitation since this, like I had an invitation since like the first invitations went out and I never went on. Went on. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, God damn it. It's like another addiction. I was on it all the time all the time and I found that while some places were great because I really did meet really incredible people not only from a business standpoint but just like really fun great but I also know how easy it was to waste my entire day on freaking clubhouse like I wasn't calling clients back because I was listening to people in clubhouse or I wasn't you know I don't know running errands that I need to do for my family and I because I was too busy in clubhouse and at night, I find I'm not getting enough sleep because I'm scrolling on TikTok. And I think that is really, really important to be honest with yourself. And that's hard, by the way. To be honest with yourself is really, really difficult. But I think once you simmer down and you say, okay, how much time did I waste on XYZ? And, you know, if you have an iPhone, you could see, it tells you, like, there's so much time I waste on YouTube. There's so much time I wasted on TikTok, right? And if in one week you're wasting like eight hours on Clubhouse and it's not bringing you mental clarity, business, or inner peace, or joy, get off. Like, sorry, I couldn't hear what you said. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to join our show. Um... Honestly, for me, that was like the biggest thing. And my husband, he's like, you're always on TikTok. You're, I am. I like a year ago, I, TikTok became a really big uh, addiction for me. But it's like how my brain basically unwinds, you know. I unwind by reality TV and TikTok. And those are my vices and I'm sticking to it. And it is what it is. My husband gets mad at me, but I don't care. It is how I unwind. And in, when I am in the car... I found that either A, I'm on the phone with clients or getting things done or doing podcast interviews or to be honest with you, I listen to these podcasts that I was telling you about that, that just drive me and give me so much um, information into how like these CEOs think because the cool thing is when you listen to these shows, which I think the one I'm talking about is how I built this. When you listen to them, a lot of them are like accidental successes, mm. right? They never envisioned the business that they ended up having. Like Jamie Simonoff from The Ring, he created The Ring because he needed it for his house because his, his um, inventor studio was in the garage and he couldn't hear or see the doorbell. So he wanted to create something that would help him. It was never a goal to go this big. And 
the greatest thing is when you listen to these people, by the way, not all of them are awesome. Some of them just fuck. But when you listen to majority of them, what you really learn is perseverance. And I think that's the most important thing because I think there's one thing that's very similar between fitness and business. And that is that you set a goal. And once you reach that goal, well, what now? Now what? Okay, so I've reached my goal of 10 pounds. Well, now it's gonna be boring. I don't have a goal now, right? And so what you learn from these people is that your goals have to forever be changing. And sometimes it's not fun. Like sometimes just like your business can hit a plateau, just like your body can hit a plateau. And it's not fun to come to the gym every single day and you're not seeing, you know, gains because you're plateauing and your body needs to adjust. Well, your business will do the same thing. Like I went through a very steady plateau. I was grateful for it because it was during COVID where many businesses were shutting down, like my businesses. And honestly, I think the hardest thing about being a business owner and defining your brand is knowing that that hustle has to stay, has to stand the test of time, basically. Cause you will always be hustling. Even like, uh, like I hate to say it again, but Jamie Simonoff, he said, you know, he's like right before they sold to Amazon, even during the sale to Amazon for a billion dollars, he's like, I'm so anxious and worried about the brand every day. What does that tell you? That tells you that somebody really cares and really gives a damn. And I think the day you stop caring about your results, or the day you stop worrying about it, that's the day you just don't give a damn anymore. Mm. And maybe that's the day you have to like rethink what your next step should be and what your priorities are. Exactly. Wow. This has been amazing. This podcast is one of the best podcasts of the month, hands down. I'm not trying to block anybody else's podcast, (laughs) but I'm just trying to say that just to show you how intense this is like like seriously like this is something that you got to think about because we can talk all day but if it doesn't move the needle if it doesn't hit home if you're not coming back home and actually looking at your bank account or looking at your health or looking at your 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 family your loved ones and everyone is doing better then you're you really got to check yourself so it's different and, and i'm glad you were able to bring this reality check today and I really appreciate you for being this disruptive with your brand because this is actually the first time I'm, you know, recording this, you know, while someone's in the car. So this makes me feel like, yeah, you can still do anything and whatever you do, just keep consistently because you never know who's going to, you know, jump in. Like on Clubhouse yesterday, I ran a room talking about Alexa, voice, AI, YouTube, Pinterest and SEO pro tips. And I had an amazing um, two moderators with me, Lisa. Liz, sorry, Liz and Priscilla. And Liz invited one of her friends who works at YouTube. And he came on board and we're talking about, you know, SEO and Alexa and how things are working. And it was crazy how, you know, even Gabriel talked about everything to do with what's happening with consistently of data, content, how is it finding you on social media, all this blogging, SEO. And people are just like, oh yeah, SEO, I need it, but I'm gonna come back to it. And then they go back and post something that makes total no sense to what they're doing so it's gotten to this point where we're like you know what the information is free but until you pay 
that's when you're going to pay attention and and that's what happens 100 i think that's also why the courses have exploded because people pay when they want to pay attention you're 100 right and i will i will also say that on that note it's it's really really important going into your entrepreneurship knowing that there will be a lot of time for play but i can't emphasize enough that i am literally the american dream okay i came here as an immigrant i had nothing i paid for my own college i paid for everything i worked since i was 12 and the one thing that taught me is you have to have a really good work ethic to survive you just have to and i think that kind of perpetuated me and every step of the way because i was working my ass off in my early 20s and i was making $27,000 a year i was working 70 hour weeks and i was making $27,000 a year when i say that to people for graduating they're like what like i think you guys are really delusioned like unless you're going into finance and you or you're going to be like a, a badass tech or consultant and you're going to be working for like Deloitte or you know these big 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 conglomerates you're not going to be making a lot of money and i think that's like the big thing there's a sense of entitlement with uh the generations right now and i know it because i'm interviewing these people and my industry the food industry is not known for money making it just isn't yet somehow i figured out a way how to pay my staff basically as much as sous chefs and some executive chefs get paid in restaurants <clears throat> excuse me and when i interview people the the numbers they're giving me that they're expecting and i'm talking about straight out of culinary school no experience thinking they're god's gift to earth and i look at them and i'm like you want to you you want to make $85,000 You're 22 years old. You're not some you're not Zuckerberg. Okay, you're not like some big genius. And I'm not saying that like to knock anyone down. I mean, look, if you're if that's your goal and that's what you want to do, more power to you. But let's be realistic here. Let's have a little bit of work ethic. I think people forgot how to work. To be honest, yeah. I just think you forgot how to work, you know? And I also do think that when you're starting your own business, you do wear many hats. Unless you have the uh financial freedom to be able to build multi departments right away, you will be wearing many hats for a long time. Yeah. You know, when I started blogging, I was the writer, the photographer, the dishwasher, the editor, the SEO specialist, the website developer. Yeah, I was everything. Yeah. By the way, I still am. I do have a website team now who is developing and helps me for sure but I was everything for a long time and I will tell you if there's one lesson I can tell you guys to kind of make your life a little easier is find places where you can delegate like I like to delegate things that I'm not strong at like unfortunately I suck at social media I hate posting I love stories. I hate stagnant posts only because it requires me to do stuff. Whereas on stories I could just be like, "Hey guys, I'm making chicken rice salad today." blah 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 blah. That stuff's easy. Going on video for me is like this, right? right. 
So I am in November, I'm hiring a company, my COO and I created a budget for them so that they could do everything for me. You know, so we're hiring a company. Why do I need social media? Well, A, I want to be on TV, duh, so you kind of need social for that. But then in addition to that, we're also going to be focusing on LinkedIn a lot because a lot of the clientele that I want for my business, those are our like five percenters, one percenters. And those people aren't on Instagram. They're on LinkedIn, yeah. you know. That's who they're getting connected with. And so I think if you're not good at something and you can afford it, Get yourself an assistant. Get yourself somebody that can help you and organize you. If your strength is not organization, either learn or go on Upwork, which I find all my people on Upwork. Go on Upwork, find yourself an assistant you love. That's where I found my assistant, and she's she's my right-hand person. I adore her. She helps me with everything. She keeps me sane, and she's given me so much freedom. And as a parent... The most important thing for me is to be able to give my kids time. Yesterday, I was a really shitty parent. It was the first day of school for my daughter. We sat down for dinner. We had dinner, and then I had a crying emergency. And so I had to excuse myself and go deal with it. And that's something I don't want to do. So if there's ways that you can make your life easier and make you be more successful in other parts of the business that only you can do, then that's what you should be spending your time on, right? Like. But again, that hustle culture is real for many, 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 many years. I think this is the first year that I'm not up every single night till two or three in the morning working. I'm being honest, for four years I was doing it, for more. Because when I was in the corporate world and blogging, I would blog at two or three in the morning. And then wake up at six and, you know, do it all over. It is what it is. You gotta do what you gotta do. Exactly. And if you're young, you're in your 20s, why aren't you? You have the energy. Right. How many hours are you spending on Hulu and Netflix? Think about that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a fact check. <laughs> definitely. Wow. This is amazing. You're definitely going to come back again and let us know because I'm, I'm so happy that you're able to bring this and let people have this. Let people just sit on this information. Let them marinate on this information and then we're going to bring this back. But if there's a way that can they can reach out to you, how can they connect with you? Because this has been amazing. I'm, I'm just amazed at today's podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I, I actually, one of my favorite things connecting with people. So you guys can go on girlandthekitchen.com or I'm most active on Instagram. Find me on Instagram, also Girl and the Kitchen. There's a big picture of me holding lemons because that's my thing. Um, everywhere else, you can find me, Girl and the Kitchen. Email me at Mila at Girl and the Kitchen. Really easy to get a hold out of me. Of me, and to be quite frank with you, I absolutely adore helping people. So if I can help you guys in any way, I am more than happy to. If you guys have questions anything feel free to reach out i i love chatting with people amazing thank you so much mila you're amazing i appreciate you and i definitely look forward to connecting with you again thanks again for being here thank you for having me take care guys take care